Stand by while NCLA cuts through the noise to signal abuse of administrative power. This is Administrative Static with Mark Chenoweth and John Vecchione. Welcome back to Administrative Static. Mark Chenoweth with you. John Vecchioni alongside, as always. And, and John, we uh, we filed, uh, I filed actually uh, in the district court uh, for Kansas this week, uh, another uh, motion, a, a, a brief opposing the defendant's motion to dismiss or transfer Cato Institute's uh, case against the U.S. Department of Education. This is the case involving the, the half a trillion dollars worth of student loans that the Biden administration uh, is trying to forgive without uh, without Congress's uh, uh, say so, and uh, our colleague Shang Lee was here last week to talk about that, and and uh, as he has done on the other uh, motions and, and briefs and so forth uh, in this case, uh, Shang took the the laboring oar uh, on this one uh, as well. Uh, but uh, I thought maybe we would just give folks uh, an update on this uh, on this opposition to the motion to dismiss or transfer. And there was one other uh, sort of big development. I think this is since last week, John, the Supreme Court has granted cert in a second student loan case, right? So this is the Job Creators Network case out of the Northern District of Texas. Uh, It's a different theory of standing than the theory that the uh, attorneys general uh, have. Uh, And uh, I believe the Job Creators Network is representing a couple of folks who who, uh, who didn't qualify for the, the loan forgiveness uh, and you know, I'm, they, they want more loan forgiveness. They want more loan forgiveness, exactly. And you know, I think that's an unusual posture from which uh, to to challenge uh, a statute uh, like this. But I like the fact that the court is going to have another theory of standing uh, in front of it. Uh, if uh, if Judge Krauss in the District of Kansas rules on on our uh, brief uh, in a timely way, we may be able to get a third theory of standing in front of uh, the Supreme Court uh, for its February argument that it's that it's planning uh, in this case. I think that would be would be useful, and we've uh, and we've tried to tell uh, the court that. And, and interestingly to me, John, this, uh, the the uh, uh, the government has not has I guess joined with us in telling uh, the judge in Kansas that a stay would not be appropriate. Yeah, we we don't like anything about your case, but boy, we got to hurry it up. <laughs> Exactly. And I think that what they recognize is it doesn't really do them a lot of good to get these other cases up to the Supreme Court and get a decision from from the Supreme Court, uh, for example, winning. Suppose that they get to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court agrees with the Eastern District of Missouri uh, that uh, that there's no standing in that case and disagrees with the uh, Northern District of Texas that there is standing uh, in that case. And suddenly the court doesn't reach the merits and it's just decided there's no standing. Well, you know, that doesn't do the government any good because our case is still out there saying, well, judge could issue another stay. And then where are they? Exactly. So so I understand why, you know, they're keen uh, to now. now, Would they be happy to have our judge dismiss the case altogether? Sure. But what they don't want is uh, for our judge to find to find standing, uh, find that we have standing to to challenge the program on the merits, but then, uh, you know, not uh, allow it to go forward. I mean, that doesn't that doesn't do them any good. Uh, so there, as I say, there's really two uh, issues uh, that are 
that are, that are before the, the court in the filing that we have uh, this week. It was filed on the 13th and the government will file its response uh, on the 20th. Uh, those are um, transfer, uh, the venue, uh, the, the, the uh, Cato filed this case in Kansas and the government is saying that Kansas uh, isn't the appropriate venue in which uh, to bring this, this case. And uh, it's not necessarily the case, John, that Okay, so Cato is incorporated in Kansas. Its headquarters are in D.C., but it's incorporated in Kansas. It's not necessarily the case that that just because you're incorporated somewhere, that that alone would allow you to sue anyone over anything in that place where you're where you're incorporated. That's not the way uh, that that venue works. But here, it's the federal government uh, that's being sued, and there's no question that a portion of what the government is doing here in terms of loan forgiveness is would be happening in Kansas. Uh, and is it, it, you know, is Kansas the largest state where this is happening? Well, no, by no means is that the case. But does that mean that every time the federal government does something that you have to sue in California because there's more citizens there than there is anywhere else? Oh, no, they, they no, want you to sue, sue in D.C. I mean, that's their position. We're we're here in D.C. And, right. and, and poor little us, we don't know how to do a case out here. <laughs> Out here, where we, you know, how many federal attorneys are there in Kansas? I mean, they have a U.S. attorney's office. They, you know, they, uh, it's it's not as though the government uh, isn't everywhere uh, on these things, and they certainly don't seem to have a problem uh, forgiving the loans, uh, you know, in in Kansas. And one of the things that uh, that we point out uh, in this uh, in this suit is, uh, you know, the the numbers that the Department of Education uh, has given for for just how many folks. Uh, uh, how many loans would be, uh, you know, forgiven uh, in uh, in Kansas? And I was trying to find that number here, and it, I'm scanning and not and not seeing it. But, uh, uh, but oh, here it is: nearly 600,000 uh, Kansas residents uh, whom defendants are targeting for debt cancellation. And I mean, uh, I, I think there's about three million people in the state of Kansas. So you're talking about 20 percent of Kansans. Wow, would be affected by this. And you're telling me that Kansas isn't a proper venue for, for the litigation. That, that would be the first time that something that affected 20% of a state's population, you couldn't have venue uh, in the state uh, to, you know, to, uh, to, to sue over that, you know, particular uh, thing. So, uh, you know, I, I think that's, uh, you know, I, I like our chances uh, on the venue argument. We also point out that, of course, this is an interpretation of the HEROES Act. Uh, we think a misinterpretation of the HEROES Act, but the administration purports to be interpreting uh, the HEROES Act. And, you know, we have a lot of heroes uh, in Kansas at military bases at Fort Leavenworth and Fort Riley and McConnell Air Force Base. And if the defendants are going to misapply the HEROES Act to millions of people who never served in uniform, they shouldn't be allowed to evade a venue like Kansas, where many of the acts eponymous heroes live and work. Uh, so we'll see if that cuts any ice uh, with with Judge Krause. Now, the, the primary uh, reason why the the government is uh, is seeking to have this dismissed entirely is that they say uh, that uh, the Cato Institute doesn't have standing uh, to bring to bring this case that they don't have uh, Article Three standing, and to show that you have standing, you have to show that you have a competitive injury that it's fairly traceable to the government's action. That would be the, the loan cancellation program, and that it would be redressed by a favorable decision. Well, frankly, I don't have concerns on any of these uh, three prongs of the of the standing test. And we've talked about this this case before. But for those who who may just be tuning into this uh, issue, uh, the, the cognizable competitive injury here is that there is a different 
uh, program that Congress actually did create in, I believe, in 2007, uh, called the Public Service Loan Forgiveness Program. And Congress said, if you work for a, a 501c3 organization or some other public service organizations, it, it defines those uh, to include certain things and exclude other things. And you do it for 10 years and you make 120 consecutive payments on your student loans, then you qualify for some loan forgiveness. That's the program Congress set up. Uh, that's a pretty strenuous, I mean, 10 years, 120 payments, that's pretty strenuous. Well, then you have the Biden administration come in with its program of forgiveness that's based on uh, basically how much debt you have and, and you know what kind of loan you had and so forth. And there's no requirement that you have made a certain number of payments or that you've worked a certain length of time or any of that. And so by giving people who currently qualify for the PSLF loan forgiveness, by, by forgiving all or some of their loans without them having met any of the criteria that Congress uh, has put into place, you're completely undercutting the incentives that Congress created in that program. And the government wants to say, well, Cato can't sue over that because these incentives were put in place uh, for the borrower, not for the, not for the public service uh, entities like, like Cato. That's not at all true, though. I mean, if you look at the at the step, both the statute, you look at the legislative history, you look at, at why these programs were created. Congress was concerned about creating an incentive for people to take these public service jobs, these jobs in these 501c3 organizations. So it's not at all clear that this was done even primarily for the borrowers uh, as opposed for the organizations. And the other problem that the government has is that the uh, D.C. District Court already looked at this uh, question. And there's uh, there's on point precedent uh, where where the D.C. court, at least, has already said that um, that this program was targeted uh, at the groups and not necessarily just at the individuals. So I think they're going to have a hard time upsetting standing on on that basis. So that leaves. Is it fairly traceable to the loan cancellation program? Well, I think you can tell from my description of the PSLF program. It's clearly fairly traceable. The, the cancellation program is the thing that's undermining the PSLF uh, program. So it's a pretty direct link. And the government's position is that don't follow that case from DC where we want the thing transferred to. <laughs> that is their position, which is, uh, you know, a little bit of me feels like don't throw me in that briar patch. Gosh, you know, I'd hate to be in DC uh, uh, with this yeah, terrific on point precedent. We def pointed out, I mean, everyone believes that the standing issue is the issue because it, I have, I still haven't after all this time seen a real great statutory defense of what the administration's doing. I have seen some people say, well, he since he can extend the period, so he can do this. And, and even extending the period is under some a somersault, but the, the, it, they're not really you know, th thrilling me with their uh, view of why the HEROES Act covers this. No. So standing's the game. Yeah, and, and you know, even OLC uh, didn't have a full-throated defense of it. Essentially, they said, well, you could see doing this, this, or this, that, but then those this, this, and that, that's not what they, that's, that's the Office of did. Legal Counsel who actually advises the administration on whether something is legal or or not. And the OLC, the second, the OLC used to say this was no way you can do this. A new, a new, um, uh, this opinion. opinion came out that said, well, under this circumstances, when Saturn is in the right part of the sky, well, you can do this and you can do that. Well, Saturn isn't in the right part of the sky even. So even under that, I don't think it, it holds up. No, I don't, I don't think so. And, and, uh, you know, I, I don't, 
the only issue that's left for, for standing is regressibility. And that just means, well, if the loan cancellation program went away, would that solve the problem? Well, yes, of course it would, because the PSLF program would still be there as it preexisted. So uh, that's the decision that, that Judge Brown will have to make. Uh, hopefully he'll decide not to stay the case. He'll decide not to transfer the case. And he'll decide that there is a standing. And then the government can appeal that up to the Circuit or the Supreme Court uh, if you want to. Welcome back to Administrative uh, Static. And now we, we have kind of a fun one. Um, as you know, uh, NCLA represents the Gold King Mine owner who... Um, Todd Hennis. Todd Hennis. And he um, he's had the unfortunate... Uh, this is in Silverton, Colorado, yeah, by the way. It's, so it's, some it's of our, right, right in Colorado. Some and, of our listeners may know this. And uh, the, the Gold King Mine, um, the, the EPA was in charge of, of getting rid of, um, uh, you know, wastewater and there's you know when you close down a mine that's been in use a long time there's a lot of things in there particularly heavy metals that have to be taken care of and so a lot of mines in colorado were shut down in the 90s and they've been hanging around there and um the 1890s the no oh, okay. uh, well it, it seems like it now mark but yes uh the 1990s uh which which is is a longer longer time ago but um, so they, they were there, and EPA was in charge of them, and yet EPA uh, came onto his land, and they, first of all, they screwed up by uh, releasing all this wastewater into the, the creek that runs into both the Colorado and the, I think the Missouri, I forget the-, uh, the No, 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 it's the, it's the Colorado River. It's the, it's the cement creek that right. ra- runs into the Animus River Animus, and then runs what, into the Colorado. That's it, the Animus. That was the one I'd forgotten. Yeah. So, so, you know, it, it, these are important waterways and all of this cadmium and other types of heavy metals were, were uh, led into the water. And these are not things that- um, that it's even arguable is a minor problem. It's a major problem. And for instance, the the Navajo who live along this uh, stretch of water had to shut down all their irrigation. It was unreal for a long time. And so, but even more than that, for our client, they then set up a a, a cleanup facility, if you will, on his property without asking him. Yeah, they, water treatment plant. They built this whole facility, and they built it on his property with no. Uh, by your leave yeah no permission and you know, and john the thing that, that's particularly frustrating about this they said look we need to do some temporary staging here and and he's like well okay you know if you need to do a little bit something temporary but just don't do it in this one section of land because this this is like it's the flattest section of the land it's the one he wanted to develop right. and he already had a concrete uh pad that had already that already existed on the land so what does the government come in they come into that exact place he said not to go and they used the concrete uh, slab that he had already poured, and that's where they built the water treatment facility. And and some of you who've been out in the mountains of Colorado, you know, flat a flat land, <laughs> a flat piece of land is is pretty useful. Um, so yeah, so they built on his land, and uh, obviously we we have said that's a taking. You know why? Because they took it. So we, they took it. They polluted it. Yeah, yeah it's, it's unreal. 
So they are, that is all going on in Colorado. But we, the reason we're bringing it up this week is I really want you to go to the website and take a look at the parody that Remy has done. And some of you may know him from Reason Mag, uh, Reason website. And he's actually been doing these, I think, for 20 years or more. At least 10. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's been a while. It's at least from the early 2000s. But he's been doing parody uh, songs and videos, sort of like Weird Al does, but not about a famous song, usually about a famous incident. And at Reason, it's it's always a government incident. So Something libertarian. Something libertarian. That's correct. So he usually uh, – I, I would say the theme of most of these is whenever a government – says we're here to help they're not helping <laughs> all right and and he does it a lot of ways he has but it's all him nobody's yeah. in the videos except him and he puts on a wig or he puts on a fake mustache and this you know sometimes he just draws on the mustache and it and it has it's very amusing and the song remy munasifi yeah that's why we call him remy <laughs> uh, and and he calls himself remy and he's he's been doing this i actually recommend almost all of his videos but but uh, the one he's done for us that's on our website is also very good. And it basically – The just, Arlington rap is my favorite. Yeah. For people who live <laughs> in the rap, D.C. DC area, area. live in Arlington like I and do. And I think that's the one that Arlington made him is, famous. I think that's yeah. what really got him off uh, the, the ground because everyone was hit, hit uh, hitting that. It went viral. Yeah, it's not even really political, but it's right. it's quite the indictment of really suburbia, not just northern Virginia, but particularly northern Virginia. Yeah, and I have to say he hasn't aged. From that, from that, which is probably twelve something, fifteen years, he hasn't aged a bit. Um, but and and the only reason I say that is he always seems to be going to McDonald's. <laughs> it has no effect on him. So, yeah. but we've teamed up with him now. Yes, and uh, and he's done a very good job. And it's sort of like you know how uh, the beginning of the Beverly Hillbillies is a song that tells the story of how they got there. Well, he has basically done a song where he tells us how we got here. Listen to a story of a man named Todd, yeah. oh, wait, but that's not the song. <laughs> no, but so he has the guy, uh, and and I, I I'm not a singer, so I'm not going to do any part of it for you. But I think that it's very effective because we talk about these cases uh, a lot, and you 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 try to to get the uh, viewer and the listener interested in them. But if you can tell a story the way Remy does, I think it really comes across. And and he starts with he has he has the EPA bureaucrat and his intern and they, and they're both him. There's not, it, you, you didn't, he, he's, he's on, he's on the screen as both guys and they're deciding what to do. And the intern, the, um, the non, I would say the non, the least expert of them is saying, I don't know if we should be uh, just, should we test? Should we test and, <laughs> and test it? Now nah, we don't need to test it. And then, and then um, of course they, they take a sledgehammer and they break it open and he has the pictures of the wastewater coming out, the orange wastewater. Uh, yeah. The EPA actually did this for people who think we're exaggerating. No, the EPA showed up at the, at it to the, to the mine, which is the closed off entrance to the mine with a backhoe. And they dug and dug and dug and dug until they breached the mine and all the water flowed. I mean, it's just crazy, crazy. <laughs> It's like, incompetent yeah it, it it really it really is an amazing story and so um and then they don't tell anybody for yeah for 24 hours they didn't tell they anybody. didn't tell anyone this stuff is flowing into in, into the creek down yeah. through the river and they decide not to tell anyone so he sings about that too he the intern says well we could inform these people we can inform these pieces or we could just do nothing <laughs> hear me out 
Um, and and so uh, he he then moves along with them taking uh, Todd's land and um, and and nothing being improved. Now this has gone on for years. For years, I mean, yeah, the leak was uh, August. Uh, I say leak. The breach was August of 2015. Yeah, so, it's so se- over seven years. Seven years, and he's they're still not off his property. I mean, that is just unreal. And so, um, Remy Remy goes on about this as well, and he has actual pictures from um, what the facility looks like, where it is, and um, I think it's a very remote area, but they've put just tons of stuff up there in fact yeah. i don't i don't think it's uh, always accessible in the winter time for those of you out in colorado you know there are passes and places you can't go and i think this is one of them yeah silver near silverton colorado is my understanding yeah and um so so uh remy has done this i, I guess what would you say it's about three minutes four minutes long three minutes three minutes I think, yeah. yeah and so it's not going to take much of your time but i do think you should take a look because it will it will tell the story uh as as crisply and as humorously as you possibly can. And I think it's it's interesting that it's funny because it's not really funny to the client. And it isn't a funny story in that, um, you know, bad things have happened to everybody because of this. Horrible things have happened. But I think that the rendition of how the bureaucrats have approached it is very true. It's very true to life. And um, th- these were, this yes, was- Art imitates life here. Yeah, this is an administrative agency that decided it could do all. First of all, all all the things came together, right? First, right. They, well, they said they had expertise. All right, they're the EPA. They know how to clean up. They're always they're, they're always charging everybody else for endangering this and and polluting that and oh, John, having done negligent. Imagine for one second what would happen if a private company had done this. How many people would be in jail? How many millions of dollars in fines they would be charged? They would be bankrupted. They, their lives would be ruined. But because it was a couple of bureaucrats from the EPA who did it, they they weren't even fired, John. They still work at the EPA, the people who did this. I mean, this is insane. But that's what happened. Now, hopefully not in the mining area. So who knows? No, know. no, no reason know. to move. Well, well, you know, they've learned from their experience now, John. So they, they have more expertise than they had before. Uh, mistakes were made. Let's not argue and bicker over who shot who. Uh, so in any event, I do I, – I think that – that it is true to life. So you have the expertise first. Pushing someone in front of a bus, pushing someone <laughs> into the bus. You know, what's the difference? Uh, so so the, the expertise they, they claim wasn't there. Then they claimed that they had jurisdiction over this guy's land, which they didn't have. And they could take it, which they could not. And then, of course, they're going to clean this up. Well, it's seven years later. Well, then don't forget they threatened him uh, uh, 50 grand a day if he... Uh, I, I had forgotten that. Yeah, so that if, is in, if, if he tried to oppose video. what they were doing. That's right. If you oppose us, we're going to fine you 50 grand a day for uh, having having violated our cleanup, having interfered with our cleanup, which, again, it's outrageous. It says no trespassing private property. It's his property. <laughs> I know. Exactly. <laughs> don't trespass on your own property. Yeah, you can't come here anymore. I, I was thinking... Um, a lot of people have been watching uh, the Duttons, you know, and I think you try to do this to Dutton, that would be very bad news. But uh, <laughs> but um, uh, I, I, Yellowstone aside, I do think that um, Remy, so he goes through the expertise, he goes through the incompetence, he goes through the arrogance, and then um, and and then the no um, no recourse. I mean, we're we're now going we're now moving for uh, recourse in the courts, but. That's seven years. Yeah, and we've survived and, a motion to dismiss. Right, so the exactly. Case, the case is on track in the Court of Federal Claims. 
uh, and we'll keep people up to date on that. But the song is to the tune of Good King Wenceslas, yeah. and it's uh, it's Gold Mine Colossal Mess mm-hmm. is the name of the song. So check it out. Uh, should be should be good. Okay, I can I can sort of do that in my head then. Gold Mine Colossal. Yeah, except that's mess. not the lyric. It's okay. just the name of the song. Okay, I got the, it. I can't. No, but I yeah. I put it together. I didn't put it together. Oh, I see. When you I, saw the I, title, I, yeah. exactly. Yeah, I, I, I got it now. So. Um, but I, but I do recommend you go take a look, and I hope and listen. Do, yeah, and I hope we do more of these uh, at, at at appropriate times because um, it it really comes across, uh, and and it's all there. And and the reason I love this one, as I do say, is if you have every aspect of the administrative state's overreach and combined with arrogance and incompetence, and it's all there in three minutes. So, and, and if you like this one, you can go back and listen to last year, which was Mandates We Have Heard on High. Yes, that was a good one, too. <laughs> but that wasn't Remy, so no. this, one, this one's better. We're uh, excited about it. Hopefully we'll be doing it. I think we put it up there with it. So it's, uh, uh, American we hope we will respond. Mark, I don't know. <laughs>